Hi, my name is Joe Jackson. I'm a journalist, author, interviewer and broadcaster. One of my recent podcasts was called Soul Searching with Christy Dignam. The Soul Searching label is usually one I prefer to apply to print interviews rather than radio, but I used it for the Christy podcast because even during a radio show about the music that influenced the guy, he touched on two highly sensitive subjects that were interlinked. What subjects? Well... Let me put it the way the strap writer did for our 2004 Sunday Independent interview. It said, Christy Dignam took more than a decade to break free from the powerful grip of heroin and finally confront his long suppressed feelings about being raped as a boy. In his biography, this is Christy Dignam, the singer-songwriter from Aslan, tells with remarkable power and candour how he got his career back on track and made amends to his family. But here's the thing. Although Christie did write with remarkable candour in that bio, sections about his rape experience, I don't want to fire in listeners' minds images that are needlessly graphic or trigger memories of fears. So, although I want to remain true to what Dignam told me and what's in the bio and our article, I will fade parts of this podcast. But overall, I hope it will make obvious something that is too often forgotten, namely the fact that an experience as traumatic as rape at a young age can lead later in life to an addiction as lethal as heroin addiction. We'll look a little more closely at exactly what that heroin addiction involved for Christy Dignam and clarify what he meant when he told me, heroin is Satan's semen. By the way, if you want to read the article I wrote, check joejacksoninterviewer.com. But then the other side of it is that a lot of the money you were making, you were spending on drugs. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I know you're not in the fucking Bay City Roller territory. I don't believe you spent four million, but I'd say you'd what spend. What I yeah. Always spent a lot of money. Yeah. Well, the image you gave me of robbing the money from under your granny's fucking—that's mm-hmm. a need for cash. Yeah. And a need for quick cash. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, there's days you need forty quid. There's other days you'd have fifteen hundred quid and spend it in a day. You know. On the junk. Mm-hmm. Or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because another all thing up. is, you get to find everybody, Gary, you know. And here's another thing I used to have to do when I got on a bit. I was always getting whipped and stuff and beaten up by people and I'd be scarred and stuff like that, you know. And plus the police, you know, used to take me money off me and stuff to stop you going to the areas, you know. Oh, yeah. So I had a mate that I used to go driving to the to the spot and he'd, I'd give him the money, he'd go over and get it. And I'd have to buy, so I was keeping his habit and my habit going and stuff. So there's a lot of that sort of stuff going on. But it is also, I don't know how true it is, you know, about record companies happily feeding. Well, I've read it. When we in the States, the drugs were thrown at us. Yeah, yeah. We went to one place, each state you go to, a different record rep looks after you, right? So we were in New York where we landed. The rep for New York bought uh, a night ball, a garden gate, a night of coke, and two bottles of champagne. We got to Boston, your man says, was that? We, we was looked after, and you know, your man's a lunatic, he bought us a night of coke, and so he was talking about us two eights of coke and four bottles of champagne. So by the time we got to bleed in Los Angeles, we were fucking getting ounces of coke thrown us, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's a dangerous area, though, even at that level, isn't it? It's, it's fucking yeah. lethal. So, so you and uh, you did feel. I think that was adding to the fucking guilt of Catherine living on her own and dealing with all this and having to keep her job and you not delivering the dream yeah. you promised. Yeah. You know. So these, I mean, the layers of self-esteem that were in there were being chopped at every fucking all the time, you know? at every angle. And then to live with all that shit, you took more drugs to bury all that, you know. And that's the way it goes, you know. And you got only momentary release. I did ask you that in the show that the fact that. Uh, 
when you had the baby, it didn't, even that didn't oh, snap yeah. you up. But it was a great moment, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. I'll never forget it. You know, you know, you meet somebody and you fall in love with them. You meet them and you like them, you fancy them. Then you, you, you kind of go out for a while and you start liking them. Then you like them a lot. Then you love them over a period of time, right? I walked into the rotunda and Catherine is pregnant and she has this lump on her stomach, which I know from a, a logical perspective that it's a human being, but it has no identity yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. The baby is born and in a nanosecond you have more love than you've ever had for anything in your life for this child. You would kill for it. If somebody tried to harm that child at that moment, you would kill them stone dead. Yeah. Right. And I remember even Kira was a distressed baby, like the cord was wrapped around the neck, so she came out oh, and she right. was blue, right? So the doctor kind of showed it to me for the midway showed it to me for a second, full of all the gill and afterbirth yeah. and stuff, and she was blue. And whipped her out, you know, and I'm kinda of, well, you know mopping Captain's brow, let's say. So about 15 minutes later, they came into the queue because it was Christmas and my babies outside. I walked out and there's eight cribs and eight babies that had been born in that few minutes. Kira shun out. You know, you know those old movies, you see where they put the Vaseline yeah, over the leg. Yeah, yeah. And I said, all the other babies look for God, my babies, but she just looked. Yeah, you know, and I'd only got a fucking a brief look or a full of Gail and she, do you know what I'm saying? So, but it was a troublesome birth though, wasn't it? For, yeah, it was a yeah, dangerous birth. It was, yeah, a, yeah. it was a bad birth for Catherine. Yeah, the, um, the, what happened was the baby were there and he had a, a heart monitor on the baby. And uh, I don't know what the figures are, but say it was 110. Yeah. And then it went to 105, 103, 109. And the midwife says, well, losing the baby. And Catherine said, what did she say? And I said, no, I don't know, didn't I? No, I heard what she'd said. So oh, yeah. he went out and whipped in the doctor and he got um, a vacuum birth, it was called. Oh, yeah, he put okay. a thing. And I remember Captain Captain Ripping there, you know. Yeah. Oh man, I never feel the blood that came out of her and stuff, you know. Oh, so okay. what a particularly bad time, a bad birth like that. You also the other side of it, and we didn't talk about it on the radio show. Kira had to suffer the the the, uh, the kid slagging her, and your daddy's a fucking just nothing but a junkie. I mean, that must have. If you said so you'd kill somebody who'd harm her, you were harming. I was in the house one day painting, right? And uh, I'm painting on the landing. And Kira's about four or five at the time. She could barely talk. And she came in. She said, Daddy, can I have a five pack of smack? Moon painting, you know. I said, Sorry, love, what you say? And she said, Because I obviously thought I'd heard what she, I yeah. thought I was hearing, you know. She said something else. I just, I said, Can I have a five pack of smack? And I was, Why did you hear that? And she says, The boy outside said, Wouldn't ask your dad for a five pack of smack. So she says, Show me. So I put the thing, the paintbrush down, and walked out. With these gang of kids across the road, 18 or 19. And say four or five guys and girls and that and stand a little bunch of So she points out to the uncle that did it, right? And I went over and I grabbed him by the throat, right? And I'm screaming at him that if you ever says anything like that to my daughter again, da, da, da. but as I'm screaming at him, I'm looking at his face going purple and black. And I'm saying, man, his face is going in the back of my mind as I'm talking. I'm saying, his face is going a weird colour. I'm not relating to it. I'm fucking strangling the guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I remember letting him go and I could see the imprint of my fingers on his neck, yeah. you know? But yeah. And that was one incident. Another time, she was about her first boyfriend. I'd say she was about 14. And uh, I came out to the hall door, and she was standing at the wall outside the next door neighbour's gaff. And she was kind of leaning back, and he was in her face, you know, giving it this. And I got this surge of rage up yeah. into me, right? That's two incidents. And here's one more just to finish it. The thing about Pascal Boland, I was saying, I was driving home every day, Joe. As I said from gigs, I was saying it now, Father, because I was just waiting for the day it was going to happen, right? Not just hit you, they said they were going to kidnap Kira. No, this is what I'm saying, they were going to do this to me, right? So the next minute I hear he's going to lift Kira off the street, right? The minute I heard that, I got a phone number for. 
and I, and I rang him and I met him in a place called the Slipper in Ballymun, right? And he thought I was coming to me and said, Ryan, to give him money, you know? And I swear to God, you're all right. I said, so I said, listen, I said, I'm not a gangster. I said, I'm not a hard man. I said, I'm no backup. I said, you know exactly who I am. I said, I've lived in absolute terror for the last couple of years with you, you bastard. I said, no, I'm telling you now. I'm telling you, lay one finger on my family and I will kill you stone fucking dead. I said, you better make sure I'm dead if you touch them. Yeah. I swear to God. I said, I've lived in a terror and I'm fucking sick of it. I said, I swear. I said, I'm not a big gangster. I said, I don't know anybody. I'm not going to threaten you with anybody. I will kill you stone fucking dead. I swear to God, John. And you would have. Right. So if you, oh, no doubt it's shadow of it there. Yeah. Yeah. Sha- I'd have done yeah. it in front of a judge. I wouldn't have get it. There's ten coppers standing there. Anyway, about three weeks later, bloke comes up me, hardly believe you had to give fifteen grand. Oh, you're sick and all this. All so right. he was so I thought if he used to do that to save face, fair enough. Are you not worried though when you put that in the book? You don't mention names, you don't. Oh he's dead, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Sure. You don't mention names in the book and I shouldn't, should I not? No. Don't mention names. Do you mention names in the book? Do you have family? No, I don't. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep it the same. That's what I was afraid of. Yeah, you know, the, involved, yeah. the fact that you're going public with the stories yeah. there or like here. Anybody that knows me will know who it is. But I just don't want his sister or his brother to be able to come up to me and say, you know, that I said his yeah. name. Yeah. But at the same yeah. time... I don't or you're making him look like a gobshine. Yeah, yeah. You but know? at the same time, I just don't want... What's his name's not mentioned? I don't want all the story right, being told. Right. And has Kira, has Kira grown up well despite all this? Kira is great. You know, good. like... And that's again a lot of that is a testament to Catherine's a uh, um, um, yes, solid kind of character, you know. Plus, I did try and keep uh, as much as I possibly could. I know it's not it's impossible to give her a normal childhood, but I did totally do everything in my power to keep that aspect of my life away, away from her. her. And that's that's what made it all the more painful when the whole thing was splashed all over the star. Yeah. You know, I can't mention another paper in this paper, but I have to touch on her again. I mean, yeah. that must have really... Yeah. Everything you tried to do, which is keep it away it from undone. you, was all undone yeah, in one shot. You know? Yeah. That's yeah. why it was important for me to have the attraction, because I wanted my mother to be able to... The neighbours that were kind of, you know, whispering in the fucking shops, I wanted her to be able to say, well, hold on there. It's not fucking true. I want her to be able to show, you know, the black and white evidence that the star had. And before, when did, how did they know? When did they find out with that paper article or had they known before that? So they found out the whole thing too, even that you were doing it. All right, so you had to deal with everything at every level. And how were they then? How did they respond just to you personally? Well, they were disappointed and stuff, you know. And that's why I said about the day after I came out of Rutland. I went into Rutland soon after all that. All right. And that's when I came out. I kind of, I was trying to go to them with some sort of explanation right. as to why I was this addict. Right. And yeah. that's how the whole thing kicked off that I talked about earlier on. All right. There is the, the, you do often say that you don't, and this always angers the fuck out of me. You do say, and I'm not saying you're doing it right, you come from Fingless and it feeds into the myth that everyone from Fingless is a, is a smack addict. Yeah. And you and I know that there's as many smack acts in Kalani and Donnybrook oh, and Fox Rock. Yeah. That, yeah. And whenever uh, the crime line or the news do anything, they always fuck off. No, you see, you're wrong there, Joe. Kalani have recreational drug users. All right, okay. Fingers have addicts and junkies, you know. All right, okay. Well, the there's a lot of drugs used out in the south side. I remember too. being in the Rutland Centre, right? And there was this woman there, and she's an alcoholic and a pill popper, right? And, uh, be going around to the group and I'd say, Look, my name is Peter, I'm an alcoholic, my name is John, I'm oh, a yeah. gambler, my name is Christy, I'm a drug addict, my name is Annette, I'm chemically dependent. <laughs> I used to piss me off big time, you know. 
Yeah, it depends on where you're from, doesn't it? You know, Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, is is there any way you can even sum up when you finally made yourself as clean as you could? Yeah. Was it the Rutland? Was it the? No, no. All right. The Rutland didn't do really any. Didn't right. do anything for me, couldn't it? I wasn't ready then, you know. It was kind of where it all where it all kind of you have to reach. Like that, I know there's a lot of cliches involved in drugs, but it is the reason they're there is because it's true, you know. You do have to reach a rock bottom, I believe, you know. Right. Now, somebody described it to me like this, you know. Say from the beginning of active addiction to 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 the end to death, you say a trip from here to Cork in a train, right? Now you can get off at Nice or Port Leash or you can get off at Mallow. It all it's up to yeah. you when you want yeah. to get off, right? Yeah. And it's like getting into a ring with Mike Tyson, right? He knocks the bollocks out of you. You end up in hospital, right? But then you recover and you're saying, right, the light reason he got me that time was I wasn't using my left jab enough. Oh, yeah. I'll get him this time. You go yeah. into the ring again. He knocks the bollocks out of you again. You end up in hospital and you're saying, I just hadn't got my right guard up. I'm gonna one day you have to admit Mike Tyson's a better fighter than you. He's gonna win every time and drugs will win every time. But it takes a while for that to kinda of come home to you now, and where for me where I came home was I think I don't know if it's in the in the book but basically I was, I was trying to do it I was trying to come off everything and uh, I was in Lanzarote and I brought a bottle of methadone with me to withdraw myself off the drugs and I got a huge abscess on my arse oh yeah you did right okay did I talk about that in the yeah book? but come on doesn't matter doesn't matter yeah we didn't talk about that in the show though yeah but I remember that that was well, a well, huge moment yeah absolutely yeah. so I went out and I. And when you said try to get off everything, it was coke. It was. No, no, I was only here using oh, heroin. Was it heroin? Okay, all right, okay. Yeah, like all once, right. I, once you see, when I tried drugs, right, I tried hash and it was pleasant. I tried yeah. coke, it was nice. When I tried heroin, I was home. Yeah, it was, okay. it was a completely different kettle of fish. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Right. So once I found heroin, I knocked everything on it. I already remember slapping myself in the back by giving up hash, and I whacking heroin out of it. You know. Yeah, okay. that's right, you know. So, so I don't drink. I was standing with my dad looking out, my neighbour's coming home, look, look at that scumbag going to his family like that. And him way looking out the fucking window, wasn't he? Honestly, yeah, yeah. Bullshit, Okay, so go on, you had the, the so, abscess. Yeah. So I had up. this abscess on my arse, right, and I couldn't do anything. It was, it was fucking killing me, it was on fire, you know. So I went down, I got, you know, the old blades your, your father would oh, use, yeah. the way you get to set yeah. the fire blades in little plastic. Yeah, thing. yeah. I went down and got a pack of them, right. Was this with the family or not, or just you? With and the family, yeah. Okay. So. I'm in the bathroom and I tried to do it three days on a trot and each day I couldn't, you know. So there's the bathroom down, there's a mirror on it, right? So I pulled down my cacks and I had a blade and I ripped the abscess, I cut the abscess, lanced it. But I had the, the bottle, but I hadn't got the bottle to kind of go in and get the goods yeah. in it. So it was only kind yeah. of superficial yeah. scrapes yeah. I was doing, right? So anyway, I'm doing this and for three days I, I kind of get that far and it's gone now. So on the tour day, I'm doing it, you know what I'm saying? You have to just give it one. <coughs> And it, you know, and I'm like that, and I look, I'm looking back at the abscess, and just as I'm looking back, I caught a picture of my eyes, right? And me cacks around my ankles, blood pissing down my leg, eyes are fucking stone down my head, and I'm looking, and I just got a, honest yeah. to God, I'll never yeah. fucking forget yeah. it. Yeah. It was like yeah. what you call a moment of clarity, you know? And I just thought, Jesus Christ, look why you're coming to you. You weren't fucking red. You weren't put on this air to fucking live like this, you know? And I came home and uh, I was heading yeah. to us. So that would have been around the same time. Was that after this period right. of Lanzarote? Yeah, no, yeah. See all the, the, the stuff in Bray and all. Yeah. It, it was because of all that, that, because I'd reached that point, I went to Lanzarote to try and 
because I could see. So the the break thing was before Lanzarote. Just before. Okay. Right. right. So did, uh, like there was a few incidences like that. That's the one. That's one, right? Yeah. So there was a few few things like that. You know, getting pulled out of the car every second day, getting strip searched, all those things, right? Right. Okay. So all this shit was happening. I said, look, I, you know, I was trying to knock this on the head, and I went to Lanzarote to try and do it, right? All right. So that's right. So I come back then, and I'm about a week away from. I was in the height of withdrawals, and I snapped this day. I, just, oh, I had to get something. I legged round the house, went down to this house, and I walked into the flat. And your man wasn't in. I was on the nar- I'm down at Helen's corner, and I walked out the front door and I just opened the front door, and I said, "Oh no!" Whack straight into the face, copper. Go for it and jumped on me, dragged me onto the floor, right? And you were raiding the house, you know, as I was walking out. So they thought I was at the scoring, but your man wasn't in, you know? Alright. So that was that. So to me, it was like a sign from fucking God. Like, did here was I had to been trying to give her up and I had a weakness. I was like, God saying, look, this is what your life is going to be if you do go back in there, right? Yeah. So I still kind of had a withdrawal. So I had this mate called John, and not mate, I had this bloke called John who was my dealer. So I'm ringing the man there. Ring it and I say, because I got rang, I just got my phone, John. John, listen, I'm in bits. Again. Who is this? This is Christy. And I says, This John? He says, Yeah. I was, I'm in a jocker. I said, You got anything there? He says, No, this is John from NA. I left my number with you last week. Oh, and I went, okay. Oh, yeah, fuck. Right. So then right. I just thought, Oh, right, okay, look at John. I said, I need fucking help. So this bloke came up to my house and literally latched on to me for about a month, oh, brought right, me okay. to meetings every day. And you know, so it was. And is, did that do it? as that, much as it can do right so I was clean then I was clean for a couple of years and uh, I was doing great now I still, it's still, it was still hard like you still wake up every day kind of thing you know so uh, Catherine got pregnant again oh. right a couple of, about four years ago and uh, it was like it was because we after the cervical cancer we'd always wanted you know and we'd, yeah. we'd had a few miscarriages and that you know are you advised when you have cervical cancer not to be getting pregnant no but it's just hard you know like, oh, okay. like she, she was getting pregnant but having miscarriages yeah so yeah. anyway yeah so she got pregnant this time and we are getting on great and things are killed you know and we you know this is the time when she was saying this is the person i was waiting to come back this was the christian i was waiting for when i asked her how she stuck by yeah, me and stuff yeah. so our relationship was getting back on and all that carry on and she got pregnant and we are going off to spain to do some gigs so i'm over in spain and she said, you don't tell anybody for the first three months and all i couldn't hold me i didn't get on the plane lads guess what Right, so it was all that, right? So I came back after, I think we were a week away in Spain or something like that, and I came back after a week, kind of coming back and then going away again, and I came in and uh, she'd had a miscarriage that morning. Yeah. And I, I just went, oh, fuck, and I went out just to kill the pain of that. Yeah, okay. I went out and I used to, to kind of, and the thing is about an addict is you can't go out and have one, you know, I can't. If I have one, it takes me fucking, it can take five years to stop that one, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I went out to have a, have a, a thing, so I'd get here that day to kill the pain that was hitting me at that moment. And it took me about two years to get away from that one hit that I went to get that day, you know? But you weren't, Chris, and I suppose you have to look at it now. You weren't coming through for her that day, were you? When I, when I did that? Yeah. I, you know, Joe, I, I mean, she had her pain and you're fucking off to... No, but I, you see, you, see, you don't look at it like that. I, right, wasn't, right. I wasn't saying, right, I'm going to throw myself back into active addiction here. Yeah. I was saying, I'm going to go out and get pissed tonight and then tomorrow... I'll like, deal with it. You know, I didn't realise. Yeah. Like, I didn't... I really didn't kind of rationalise it that far. I did not... And had I known it was going to go there, there's no way I'd have done it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I thought I'd just go out. Like, I'd done all, you know, the comfort and stuff and that. And, you know, it's going away again. So I thought, I'll just have a little fucking smoke and, you know, just... 
I was in pain, you know, basically. Yeah. But was so, it two years? Was it was about ten months, let's say. Another ten months have just been back mm. using it. Yeah. And the thing is, like, say if it took, it t- say if it took me ten years to arrive at a certain point of fucking desolation from the day I started taking heroin to, to the day I stopped. When I went back on it, it took me about two weeks to arrive. Where it took me ten years to get to the last time. All right, okay. But was was this at the stage where Aslan and all had said no more gear, or you're out again? This is when we'd reformed. Yeah. And you know. And you had been warned. But it wasn't a warned. Oh, it wasn't thing. that. Okay. Was it not kind of a no. look? If we could, if you start not turning up, turning up late, no, not able to say. Yeah, what I mean, that was it. Wasn't said in that sense, Joe. You know. All right. But like that, the thing was. That was in the past. That that behaviour was in the past when I met the man. Like when we met, we didn't get we didn't get together kind of in two seconds. No. We were seeing each other over a period of time, and they seen that I was, I was back to the way I used to be. I wasn't, you know, All this right. fucking. Right. So we kind of got back together, but there was the, the unwritten understanding that yeah. that you know I wouldn't go back there, you know, yeah. and I had no intentions of going back there. Like having said that, Catherine put up, but Aslan had put up with some shit as well. That's you know? too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So at the end of that ten months, how then did you break it? Um, I started going back to and to me, oh, to be you? honest with you. See, I'm not allowed to say this, Joe. Oh, okay. Expl- no, I like just explain to you, right? There's a thing called you know, the twelve steps. Yeah. There's a thing called the twelve traditions of Narcotics Anonymous, right? And basically, this is what it's about. I can say I'm in a program that helps me stay away from drugs, right? And okay. that's as, that's as, that's as, as much clarity I can give the situation. The reason being, right? right if okay. I say, and if you say in the paper tomorrow. A voice say, um, I'm in NA and that's what helped me get off drugs. So say tomorrow I go back on gear and there's some young fella who perhaps sees salvation in NA and then says, Ah oh, no, sure Chris you can employ that and he's back on gear. Say, right, so okay. for that reason yeah, like is yeah. it just as part of it's the, the it's not that I can't do it, there's no bosses in NA, but it's it's recommended I would be doing a disservice to the NA programme if I did that. Do you understand where right, I'm coming from? Okay. So like I, I do think that a programme and being absolutely honest about yourself you have to do a moral inventory of yourself do you know what I mean and you have to be ruthlessly honest about all your defects all that sexual abuse thing and that's something as well that I have that was a huge trigger that helped you get back in touch with who you are and need drugs less when you finally confronted what happened to you at six absolutely so that's nothing got to do with Narcotics Anonymous no no it's a kind of outgrowth of a moral inventory of yourself yeah Absolutely. Oh, oh, you didn't even choose it. It hit you. Yeah, but you it, it doesn't matter. You see, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter why you're the person you are. It, it's irrelevant that it's because I got hurt, raped as a child. The fact is, this is what I am. This is what we have to deal with today. Yeah. This is who I am, and we have to sort it. Do you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's no good to me saying, it's not good to me saying, well, it's because that cunt raped me when I was a kid, and then that rock cunt done a few years later. I can say pitying myself, that'll drag me right back in there. Yeah, yeah. So I have to... If you see yourself as a victim. Yeah, I have to, I, I have to um, look at what happened and all that. But it's not, the important thing is not what happened. The important thing is the way I reacted to what happened. And that's my fault. That's my responsibility. Hi, Joe Jackson here again. I thank you for listening to this edition of the Joe Jackson Interviews podcast. And remember, if you want to read the article I wrote out of that chat with Christy, check joejacksoninterviewer.com.